Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. identity. Lord, you give identity. Lord, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Lord, we center all of our affection, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength on you. And we give you ourselves today as a living sacrifice. Lord, have your way in us. Lord, I know what we need is you you. I know what we don't need is us. (laughs) So Father, I pray that you will have your way in every heart. Lord, for for the hearts that have walls up around them, I pray that you will will start dismantling those walls so gently in the way that only you can, that we might receive from you and your word. And I pray right now for for the people that have stony hearts, that that, that you do heart surgery, and that that, that you place a, a heart of flesh and blood and Lord, I pray for the people who are struggling. Lord, that, that they just came in here with, with burdens. I pray that you will give them peace. Lord, your word says, Jesus, you said, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, I pray for rest over your people. Lord, the people who are grieving, I pray right now for peace. I pray right now, Lord God, for those who are who are struggling physically in their physical body. I, I just bind infirmity and affliction and I release healing. Holy Spirit, do your work. Do your work. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and ask all these things to your glory and our good. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And God is a good God. He's a powerful God. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't care. There's nothing new that comes out of my mouth that's just regurgitated. But God will do exactly what he'll say he'll do and still surprise you when he does it. God will say, I'll provide for all of your needs. And then he provides for all of your needs. And you're like, what? What? God says, I'm your healer. And then he heals. And you're like, what? What? God will do exactly what he'll say he'll do. And then still surprise you when he does it. He'll even do it when he says he'll do it. Like he'll tell you the day. I remember at Easter, the Lord told me. The Lord told me do an altar call for healing. And I was like, okay, I'm thinking like four or five people come down. And like, if you guys remember, it was lined up. I'm like, he said, people are going to get healed. And then people got healed. I was like, what? (laughs) 
God is a good, good God. And, um, man, we're, we are going to wrap up a series today on the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit of the Spirit. That is wrong. The, the gifts of the Spirit. We should do a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Um, we're wrapping this series up Christmas in July. And verse 7, I'm, I'm not going to get into it right now, but 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. These are here to help each other. And we, we heard a testimony just this morning of, of God using a gift to help someone. God is a faithful God. And before we, we go any further, though, I do want to tell you a joke. I find that laughing is medicine for the soul, and I have another blonde joke for you, so I'm sorry. I dedicate this to my former students that are blonde. I was going to say wife, but obviously I can't say that. She's like, I'm going to kill him. One day, I won't be here on a Sunday morning. Just know, it was not Amy. <laughs> no, this, this, uh, this guy walked into a bar. And he hit his head, and that's the end of the joke. And so I'm joking. This guy walked into a bar, and he saw a, a, a blonde lady at the bar, too. And he, he walked up beside her, and he, he, um, he was just sitting there, and he was watching the news. And um, um, this guy on the news was about to jump off of a building. It was like a 20- or 30-story building, really high. It would not have been a good day for this guy to jump off this building. And so they're trying to negotiate him off the ledge and everything like that. And, and both this guy and the blonde are watching this on the news. And um, they're, they're seeing the, the firemen scramble. You know, like those old, those old uh, things where they had like the nets to catch people? Well, they have those nets down there. And, and uh, the guy looks at the blonde and... and and they kind of, they made eyes, and they're watching this, and, and she asked him, you, you think he'll jump? And he goes, well, $20 says he'll jump. And she goes, well, I'll take that bet. She puts $20 on the bar, and they both look at each other, and, like, they're watching this intently. It's like at the 10, it's 10 o'clock at night. It's, it's the 10 o'clock news, and, and they're both watching it, and, like, obviously one of them's going to make some money. And finally the guy jumps, and she goes, oh, man, I can't believe he jumped. Well, fair is fair. Here's $20. And he goes, honestly, ma'am, I can't take your money. I saw this at the 5 o'clock news. I knew he would jump. And she was like, no, seriously, take it. I saw it at the 5 o'clock news, too. I just didn't think he would jump again. <laughs> oh, come on. That's awful. Um, they caught him, though. He's fine. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we're going to look at verses 4 through 11, and we're looking... Today, we're going to be looking at the last three gifts, uh, discernment, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation. But we're going to... Um, we're going to jump right in here. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is a source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. 
God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Man, aren't you glad? So this is why it's so important that we don't ever compare ourselves to anyone else. Because we are all on a journey together. The Holy Spirit is working on each each of us individually, making us like Jesus. And some of us are on different steps of that journey. And what's crazy is some of us, some of our journeys look completely different because if, if the Lord saves a person out of drugs and alcohol and whatever, it's going to look different than the kid that got saved at, you know, four-year-old in Sunday school. Their journey, but it's the same Lord that works on both. It's the same God, and that's why we can't ever think, oh, I'm better than that person, or I'm further along, or, or I'm, I'm not a saved. No, it's not like that. We are the same God. Let's go back a verse. The same God works on all of us, works different, in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. That's why we never, we never compare ourselves to each other. Because guess what? We're all broken and messed up people, who are being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only standard by which we compare our lives to is Jesus. When we stand before God, and the good news is, you can never live up to Jesus. But when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. That's called justification. He gives you all of God's Christ's righteousness for all of your sin. And it's a beautiful thing. So, we don't compare ourselves. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And, he, and we're all at a different step on the journey along the way. That's why we just encourage each other. And then he says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Why? Because we're on a journey. And we're all at different stages of that journey. So we, the Holy Spirit, he didn't have to give us a single thing. The Holy Spirit didn't have to do a single thing. Jesus was enough, and then he turns around and gives us the, an advocate, a helper, a comforter. And, and then the Holy Spirit steps into our life, and he empowers us to live a holy life. On top of that, he says, you know what, I'm going to give them gifts to help them encourage one another, to help each other along this way. How many of you guys have ever got a text and it just said, I'm praying for you, man. And then and and whatever. And it just really encouraged you, and it was exactly what you needed to hear in that moment. Or a phone call. That's a spiritual gift at work. And the Holy Spirit knows how to do that right at the right time. Man, just this morning, I got up and I know this is gonna get creepy for a second, but I'm pretty transparent. So as I was in the shower, Pastor Ben came to my mind to pray for. Like, it was so random because I'm like half asleep. It's before 7 a.m. And I'm like just washing my hair. And the, and the Lord just like, pray for Pastor Ben. Pray for Pastor Ben. Pray for Pastor Ben. And so like the whole time I'm getting ready this morning, I've just been praying for Pastor Ben. I get here and I start doing things and the Lord's like, pray for Pastor Ben. Pray for Pastor Ben. Pray for Pastor Ben. I can't shake this. So the whole time I'm walking, instead of, I'm praying for the service. At the same time, I'm praying for the Pastor Ben service. And I'm praying for him. And then the Lord's like, yeah, I need you to text him. So I text him. And he responds. He's like, what a timely word. I needed that. That's, that's why. A spiritual gift 
is given to each of us so we can help each other. And I've been the recipient of the same thing. Man, when people text and like, I'm praying for you and just like, like, whoa, let me tell you, Miss Sharon, she's gifted in this. She, she has a timely gift and she, she knows how to send out the text at the right time to encourage because a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another person, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the, the, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether the, a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. I want us to pay attention to this. There is a reason why Paul, the author of this book, the Apostle Paul, sandwiches discernment right in the middle. What is it? The gift of wisdom, gift of knowledge, prophecy. And the Holy Spirit's like, you know what? I'm going to give them a gift so they know what's from me. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another person is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift the person should have. Later in the same chapter, Paul tells us to be intentional. He says, seek the most useful gifts. We should be seeking. We should, as followers of Christ, we should be wanting to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They're not for the hyper-spiritual. They're not for the pastors. They're not, they're, they're not for, like, oh, you have to be super spiritual. No, 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 no. That's, there, there's not a qualifying quality other than follow Jesus. God distributes the gifts, but the, he tells us we should seek the most useful gifts. Why? Because they're there to help one another. It's not to make us look like, oh, wow, that guy is just so gifted and anointed. Oh, my. Or that lady, is she just has such a... It's not for that. I think there is something to be said about recognizing someone who flows in that and, and, and also, you know, like it's something to... How, how to phrase it is, we need, the, we need to see them at work in the church. That's what I'm getting at. We need to see them at work in the church. He says, seek the most useful gifts. But what's most important out of all that, before we get into this, in week one of the series, I, I want to refresh. The most important thing we could do as a Christian is not seek gifts. It's seeking the giver. If we want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and we should, we should want to operate in this. Why? To help one another. But first and foremost, we need to have closeness and intimacy with God. We need to be so in love with Him and so close to Him that He is like, I, I'm going to use them because they're not going to get a big head. They're going to walk humbly. They're just going to 
They're just going to do what I tell them to do. And they're going to know whether this is from me or not. And, and so often, like, the gifts don't operate in, like, oh, you, you're only operating in this. No, like, the gifts operate in conjunction with one another. When you pray for someone that's sick, you need to be operating in faith. You need to believe that God's about to heal them. When you, when you give a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, there's faith at work and discernment at work. you got to discern, okay, is this word from God for them? <laughs> like, or is this word from God for me? There have been many a times where I've been up here and I feel like the Lord's laying on a word, a word on my heart. And I'm like, God, is this for me or is this for the, the church? i, I got to discern. i got to pray. Even just this morning, I was wrestling with something. I was trying to discern what I should do in a moment. I, I, I was wrestling. But, but in that, discernment and faith go hand in hand. They work in conjunction with one another. But the most important thing we can do in all of this is to have intimacy and closeness to Jesus. If you want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, have intimacy and closeness to Jesus. Because these gifts are not theoretical. These gifts are for today. God is giving and using and operating these gifts right now in His church. He wants to. He wants us to operate in them. He, he didn't say, "Hey, here, here are some gifts, but you can never open them." That, that's not the God we serve. That's not the Father we we serve. He gives gifts for us to use. So we're going to get into the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment. I, I would say right now, <laughs> in my opinion, not that my opinion matters, I had a missionary um, professor. He was the head over AG missions in Africa for like in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and he retired, and then he, he became an adjunct professor at Central Bible College, and he taught um, power and counter evangelism, and um, that, <laughs> that class should go without saying what it was about was when you're evangelizing, how to have power encounters in evangelism, like laying hands on the sick and they recover, or casting out demons, and this guy, he was a missionary on the Ivory Coast in Africa, um, and he, he, he oversaw all of the missions in Africa, but, like, he was stationed on the Ivory Coast, and it, it, that's, like, the birthplace, actually, of voodooism, and it's very demonic, and this guy had so many stories of casting out demons and just, like, um, where people will walk into the church and, like, demons just start manifesting in the presence of God and I remember what he said he said <laughs> and, and I say this because I think it's true he says if, there, if there's ever a gift that the Christian needs at work in their life in this world it's the gift of discernment we have got to operate in the gift of discernment today we, we in the church, we have Christians 
deconstructing their faith and and essentially what deconstruction of faith means I'm, I'm not I'm not against people wrestling to the ground what they believe and why they believe it as long as you build it back on the word of God that has to be the foundation there's like like we all have questions of why why do we believe there's nothing wrong with asking those but build it back on the word of God but what I'm seeing today is Christians claiming to be Christians, but then they turn around and say, well, I don't agree with this section of scripture. So this must not be for us today. Well, God does not need an editor. He has one. His name's the Holy Spirit, and he did not make a mistake when he established the canon of scripture. So if you disagree with God, who's wrong? I can give you a hint. It's not God. God's not wrong, and right now we have such tension in, 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 our, in our culture, and the enemy, the enemy has the same playbook. He always has, and he exposes his hand prematurely, and you don't, have to, you don't have to be a follower of Christ to see something is wrong in this world, especially in our country. You can see evil at work. People that aren't even following Jesus are waking up and saying, I don't want any part of this. But as a Christian, we've got to discern, okay, there is a demonic spirit behind all this. And we've got to be ready to stand because the Bible is very clear. Is that we don't wage war against people. We wage war against spirits and principalities and evil forces in this dark world. We are in a spiritual battle. The good news is we have already won. It's not that we will win. We've already won this war. So we fight from a place of victory. The victory was guaranteed, not on the cross, but in the resurrection. Christ beat Satan thoroughly. So everything that Satan comes at you at with or in this world with, he's coming at you from a toothless tiger position. He's already defeated, so he sows lies and he manipulates things, but he has no authority. Because Jesus has completely rendered our enemy powerless. With that said, the church has got to stand in the power of God. And we, we can't just roll with the punches anymore. We've got to have discernment to say, hey, no, this is wrong, and I'm going to rebuke this in the name of Jesus. I bind what's going on in my family, in this society, in, and we need to go to war on our knees. And we, we got to operate in this gift of discernment. I'm, I'm going to read a section of scripture out of Matthew 22. I want, I want us to look at what this really looks like. Jesus has this encounter. It says, Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. So I want you to understand, they have a secret meeting. The Pharisees, uh, the, the high council, they do not like Jesus. Why do they not like Jesus? Because Jesus speaks the truth in love. And, and he's, he's, he's living out the law of God perfectly. Okay? And they don't like it because they're losing their control. And, and, and Satan always wants control. And God doesn't try to control you. So if you're in a situation, this, this is completely bonus, but if you're in a situation where you feel controlled, that's probably not God. 
Because God is all about freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God is all about bringing freedom. And if you're if something's controlling you, that's probably demonic. you got to have discernment. And so these people do not like Jesus because he's bringing freedom. He's helping people understand, like, no, this is how you live out the, the, the fulfillment of the law. And they're like, oh, we can't control people anymore if, if we do that. We can't control how they worship. We can't control how... And, and they don't like Jesus at all. And if you think... And these were religious leaders. If you think the world's going to like us... We have another thing coming. They sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet with him. And says, teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. Jesus, John chapter 1 says, Jesus is full of truth and grace. We're about to see truth come out of him. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites. He said, why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me a coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he said, thank you, peace out. No, I was playing. <laughs> he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them, and they went away. All you introverts, I want you to read this. You guys just got to come up with a reply that amazes people and they'll go away. Jesus was operating the gift of discernment. The Holy Spirit helped him discern the spirit behind their question. That's how discernment works. Because someone might come to you and offering help, but if the spirit behind you is behind it is demonic, the Holy Spirit will give you red flags. The, the Holy Spirit allowed Jesus to discern the motives behind it. And, and not just that, the Holy Spirit allows us, when we're receiving messages from people, well, well-intentioned people, we need to operate in discernment. Because what, what, is, what does Paul say right here at the end? I'm, I'm going to read it. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. What does that tell us? That, And he sandwiches it between prophecy and tongues and interpretation. The enemy knows how to make things look like prophecy, and the enemy knows how to make things look like tongues and interpretation. And the enemy knows how to make things look like a word from God. He knows. And, that, and, and what else does that say? It straight says we need to be able to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. That also tells us that the enemy will send spirits to speak to you. This is not theoretical. This is happening. If you, if you get a word from God and you feel condemned, that's not from God. 
If someone walks up and thus saith the Lord, just because they put a thus saith the Lord on it doesn't mean it's from the Lord. People try to manipulate things all the time. People try to do things all the time. And we have got to operate in discernment. So the Holy Spirit's saying, no. No, 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 I got you. I'm going to give you a gift so you can know whether a word is from God. And honestly, this is one of the most practical gifts. Because the enemy's going to come at you. He's going to try to convince you of things. He's going to try to put lies in your head. He's going to try to tell you you're not worthy. He's going to try to tell you there's something wrong with you. He's going to try to tell you that God's never... I mean, he tries to do that stuff all the time. And we have got to stand and say, no, that's not what the Word of God says about me. The first and foremost, the basic of discernment is know the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever contradict the word of God. If you get a word from someone and they say this is a word from the Lord and it contradicts the word of God, that word is not from the Lord. That doesn't even take discernment. That just takes you getting in the word of God and spending time with the Holy Spirit. If you know the word of God, you'll be able to discern if something's from the word. The, the, if you know the word of God, you'll be able to discern, discern whether something is of the Lord. Because he doesn't contradict the word. And another thing we need to do is we need to spend time in the presence of God. Just like this morning. Recognize presence. Recognize the presence of God. And it has very little to do with emotions. It has very little to do with emotions. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, it says, present your, your body as a living sacrifice. I, I, I'm sorry, this, I know this message is very practical, but I, I, I want us to understand this. This, in, in the world that we live, we have got to get back to the fundamentals. We have got to operate in this because we, the church, are the only hope for the world because we carry the gospel. And we've got to operate in this gift, for sure. But he says, present yourself as a living, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Like God wants to engage our whole senses, not just one aspect of our senses. I can remember when I was on a missions trip in South Africa, and we went to this little city. It was a, it was a lean-to city. It was called Freedom Town. And it was where all the miners came. They, there was a mine in that mountain, and there was just lean-tos, and like 80% of the people in this city um, had AIDS. And um, it, it, it was just very spiritually depressed and oppressed. And I remember us on this mission trip going through just praying with people on these dirt roads. We would see kids just running around completely naked because they had no food and no clothes. Their bellies were swelled because they haven't ate for days and, and we're just praying and we're trying to deliver food the best we can. And, and I remember um, there was this witch doctor in the middle of town. He had this little chapel area. And, and, and I remember walking up and saying, hey, can we pray? I had no idea he was a witch doctor. And he just glared at me. And we had an interpreter. And, and we walked into his house to pray. And this is Africa. And it, it would have been our winter, but it was their summer, South Africa. Because the seasons are opposite in the southern hemisphere. 
It was so hot. We were sweating. We were all sunburned. And I remember walking in, and this place had no air conditioning. The air was chilled. It was just like, I don't know how else to describe it other than like a demonic chill. And everything in me, like, there's two things that we got to understand is the spirit that's in us is greater than the spirit that's in this world. The Holy Spirit is infinitely more powerful. Number two, the spirit that's in us is that war with the spirit that's in this world. <laughs> and so when we encounter spirits, and we will, <laughs> the, the spirit in us wants to wage war on them. And he doesn't lose. And I remember that guy, he did not want us in. He was like, he, he was like, no, but he was saying yes. You can come in and pray. Like his head was shaking no and his mouth was saying yes. And so we got to go in and pray over. And, and I, was, I love to say that guy got saved and it didn't happen. But man, he couldn't do anything. The, our, our team was there. We were just praying. Lord, like we were binding the enemy like, Lord, I pray um, that, that people quit coming here. I pray, and, we were, and he was just like just still in the corner. He couldn't move. That was... That was pretty evident. Like, we literally walked into a witch doctor's home where he had services. But then it's not, sometimes it's not as evident. I remember in 10th grade, my dad was on the board at Harrison First Assembly in, um, in Harrison, Arkansas. And he got a call that morning uh, to come into a special board meeting. It was a Sunday morning. And so we had to leave early. We lived about 25 minutes outside from the church. So we, we left early. We got there. He had a special board meeting. And then I was just in service. I was just sitting there on the pew. And, and I just, like, have you ever been in those moments where just things felt off? Like, you can't put your, name, your, your thumb on it. But, like, the service was the same. But the whole time you're like, the Holy Spirit's not here. He was there, but he was, he was, he wasn't manifesting freely the way he wants, if that makes sense. And I remember the whole time, because I'm like, I, I don't know, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm 10th grade, I'm, I'm probably 15 or 16 years old. And I, I just remember praying the whole time during worship, just saying, Lord, if there's anything wrong with me, please forgive me. I want your presence. I want to feel the presence of God. I, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't want anything to be wrong. And, and, and I look over at my mom, and she's just doing warfare. She's going to town, and she's just binding. I'm like, okay, something's up. Because, like, my mom is just like, she's, she's recognizing that something is wrong in the service. And so I, and I look at my mom, and I'm like, mom, is there something wrong? She said, yes, uh, but I need to pray. <laughs> and she and so the whole service like the, the choir gets done and that's back when we had a choir and all that stuff and two-thirds of the way through the message this guy gets up and he starts speaking in tongues I, I say that loosely it sounds like Spanish and I'm in Spanish I'm like hey did I just hear hola like I'm like um, it, and and like I'm like this. This is wrong. Like I, I'm, I, I know this is wrong. And then his wife, 
This, this family had been coming to our church for like three months. His wife gets up and starts giving an interpretation. As soon as she opens her mouth, I'm like, I know it's wrong. I know that this is not from God. And Pastor Hodges stops him, right? He's like, nope, nope. You guys need to be quiet right now in the name of Jesus. He said, we love you, but this is not from God. And they just went, oh. it's like, you know, like self-righteous people would do. How dare you? And they grabbed their stuff and said, this is not, only. they were just making a scene. They walk out and um, Pastor Hodges said, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night last night. And he told me they would do this. And I called my board this morning and had a special board meeting and told them, this is what I feel the Lord laid on my heart in the middle of the night. And I just want you guys to be aware that this is probably going to happen. He took a step of faith to tell his board that this might happen. And sure enough, it did. But as soon as they left, man, the presence of God just filled that room. But once again, the Holy Spirit gives us discernment to know if something is from God or not from God. And he does that because he wants us to walk in obedience with God. He wants us to receive from him because the words of God give life. The words of the enemy sow death. And it has very little to do with emotions. The Holy Spirit can evoke your emotions for sure. But I find that he engages all your senses. You'll know when something's up. You'll feel it. In your physical body. But here's the thing. Satan knows how to invoke emotions too. That's why we can't rely on emotions on whether something's from God or not. I've seen people shake and weep at a concert that was not Christian. But they're just hearing the guys sing and they're just so emotional and they're shaking and they're just so happy. I've seen people shake and weep under the power of a demonic spirit. <laughs> and I've seen people shake and weep under the power of God. And from the external eyes, it all looks the same. Like, these people are crazy. Know the difference? The presence of God. The presence of God. We've got to learn the rhythms and the presence of God so we can discern if something is of God. The presence of God changes the environment. We must be so familiar with the word of God and, we, and, and, the, and the presence of God. We need to know what it feels like. That we're able to spot counterfeit. My mom worked in Bank of America for 20 years in California. And she went through all these seminars to spot counterfeit bills. But here's what's so crazy about all these things that they did. This is back in the 70s and 80s when counterfeit was way easier to do. But they, they would teach my mom to what to look for, like with projectors. And I guess back then it was probably overhead stuff. But they never let my mom touch a counterfeit bill. They only let my mom touch real bills in the counterfeit when she went through. They, they got her so familiar 
with the genuine article that when she did encounter counterfeit in her day-to-day job, because in California, people will walk in and try to deposit, you know, (laughs) money that was completely counterfeit. She would instantly be able to tell it was counterfeit because of the texture, because just like, just by feeling it, because she knew the genuine thing so well. That, that's, that's really discernment. We know the genuine thing so well that we're able to spot counterfeit. But this is a gift from the Holy Spirit. There are times when he just says, no, this is wrong. But we need this gift at work. We need it at work. The second gift we want to talk about today is the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is such a beautiful thing because it is God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit through us. And I I don't want us to be, I want to, I just want to talk about this for just a moment because there are a lot of people here that might have different denominational backgrounds and different understandings of things and I, and I would never throw shade at any other person's understanding but the Bible lends itself to this there is a gift of tongues and there is a prayer language of tongues Paul, two chapters later, says, I speak in tongues more than any of you. And he's not talking about a public display. He's talking about a personal time. And he even says that that we we need to speak in tongues. So the gift of tongues is for the body. Just like all the other gifts is there to encourage each other. But the gift of tongues, I I separated it, but it goes hand in hand with the gift of interpretation. Because if the gift of tongues is given and there's no interpretation, all of us are like, oh, sweet, that person just spoke in tongues. And we walk out of here like, well, that was weird. (laughs) Like, let's just be real. Tongues is powerful because that God gives an interpretation to that. But... But then there is the prayer language of tongues. And the prayer language of tongues is the initial physical evidence, the first evidence that you've been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And and, and the Bible is clear on this. When we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in us to empower us to live a holy life. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. But when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the power that is in us gets on us. It's like we overflow with that power. And the proof that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 9, um, Topeka, Kansas in 1901, the Azusa, I mean, throughout Scripture and history, when there's been a move of the Holy Spirit and people are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues. It's the evidence It's not the gift. It's the evidence that you're empowered and baptized in fire. Jesus says, I'm sending another. 
and he will baptize you in power and fire. And that's, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the gift of tongues is a powerful thing because it's God speaking to us through us. But when we pray in our prayer language of tongues, it's us, it's the Holy Spirit praying through us to God. In Romans chapter 8, he talks about how when we run out words to pray, have you guys ever been there? You prayed so much in your whatever language you can speak, I'm assuming English, that you're just at the end. You don't even know what to pray. You just start repeating yourself, and you're like, but you know you need to pray more. The Holy Spirit, Paul says in Romans, that the Holy Spirit will pray through you through, through wordless groans. Like the gift, the, 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 it's not the gift of tongues, but it's a, it's a prayer language of tongues that he's praying through you. And what is he praying? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, he's praying the divine will of God. So when you don't know what to pray, and I believe that every Christian needs, that we, we, we need to ask the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, baptize me in power and, and, and be willing to let him speak through you and speak in tongues. Uh, like, you can't do it. It's the Holy Spirit. But when you pray in your prayer language, you are praying the divine will of God over your life because the Holy Spirit does that. But the gift of tongues is different. The gift of tongues is in, usually in a corporate setting. And God chooses to speak to us through us. That's so powerful. And what a gift. How many of you, how many of you guys have been in a service where there has been tongues and interpretation? And what was given just hit the nail on the head in your life. And you're like, only the Holy Spirit can make a broad word specific to you. Right? That's how powerful he is. He could speak a word that can apply to every single person in here and yet at the same time make it feel personal. That's the Holy Spirit because that's how much he loves you. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've been right here and there have been tongues and interpretation given and it was exactly what I needed to hear to get up and share in confidence. So, like, it was like, if, if that word wasn't for anyone else. It was for me. But that's how much God loves you. The gift of tongues is God speaking through us to us. Then there's the gift of interpretation. And Paul makes it clear, like, go read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's, it's very amazing. But he makes it clear that he would rather have prophecy in a corporate setting than tongues. Because prophecy edifies everyone. But he said, but, it, but he also makes it clear, he's, he said that there should be tongues in order of service. And, and that there needs to be an interpretation. So if someone gives a gift of tongues and there's no interpretation, what does Paul say in ch chapter 14? He says that person needs to go sit down and pray in tongues to, the, to God privately. That's what he says. Because tongues, apart from the interpretation, does not edify a single person. 
He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, I would rather speak three intelligible words over 10,000 words in tongues of angels because it's edifying. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are there to edify the body. So we step into the gift of interpretation. So what does this look like? Both of these gifts take faith. Takes faith. I can't tell you how many times, like, I'm like, oh, I think I'm supposed to give a word. I think I'm supposed to give a word. I, I get, I get, my stomach gets tight right here. And I'm wrestling with it. I'm trying to discern, Lord, is this you? And then, and then with, with, and, and, and there are other times where, with, with interpretation, if tongues are given and I know that I have the interpretation. And what's so interesting is I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak from my own personal experience. I want you to understand that. But what normally happens for me is the gift of tongues will go out. And there's a moment as most Christians, we, we, we pause to listen. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? If you want me to give the interpretation, I will. That's what I pray. And what normally happens if I'm the, if I'm the one that's supposed to give it, I'll get like two words. Or maybe three words. It'll be like the first three words I need to say. I, I can't, I've never asked anyone else how it works for them. But this is how it almost always works for me. The Holy Spirit will just leave. It'll be like three words on repeat. Over and over in my head. And I can't shake it. I, 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 I can't think of anything else. It's just like over and 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 over. And over. I mean like over and over in my head. And then I'm like, okay, here I go. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm like, I have to work up courage and step in faith. All these, all these gifts work in conjunction with the gift of faith. And I step in faith, and then I say those three words, and I don't have anything else to say, but without fail, the rest of it comes. Because uh, <laughs> it's not from us. It's not from us. The gift of tongues and interpretation is the Holy Spirit speaking through us. The person that gives the interpretation doesn't hear that and say, oh yeah, I know exactly what that means. That, that, that's, not, that's not how it works. It's a gift, and the Holy Spirit chooses to do that. And it's always right. It's always right. The Holy Spirit's never wrong. There are, there are people who step out and, like what I shared earlier, that wasn't even of God to begin with. But if it's genuine of the Spirit, he's never wrong. He's never wrong. And these gifts aren't theoretical. These gifts aren't for a past time in church history or 30 years ago when we had tent revivals. These gifts aren't or 40 years ago or 100 years ago. These gifts are for today. And the Holy Spirit wants us to operate in them to grow the kingdom of God. For His glory and our good. And every one of them, they, they, they can be intimidating, I, I know, because they take faith to operate in. And faith can be intimidating. But I know this, that if you know that the Lord's asked you to do something and you step, 
he's never wrong. He's never wrong. And you know, the only way to walk in faith, to learn to walk in faith, you guys know, is to walk in faith. You learn how to walk in faith as you walk in faith. It's like riding a bike. You know the only way to learn to ride a bike? It's not watching YouTube. You get out on a bike, and you fall down a couple times. You scrape your knee, and you know what? There are going to be times where you step in faith and you get it wrong. But that's okay. That's okay. That's how you learn. If you're, if you're afraid, like, oh, what if I get it wrong? Well, you will. Just, just rest assured, but there's grace in that because that's how you learn. You get it wrong sometimes. But I would rather step in faith and get something wrong than not step in faith and God not do something. I'd rather fail in faith than not have faith. I know that sounds crazy because that kind of gives the open door invite to all the crazy people out there that want to manifest in the gifts, right? But I would rather have people try and learn than not have the gifts at, op at work in this church. We need the Spirit of God working in us. We need to be work operating in these gifts. So what, what I want to do today as we, as we wrap up. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He tells us, seek the most useful gifts. And I'll read it for a second. He's, he's talking about the body of Christ here. And he says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. He says that. Of course not. We don't. We don't all have it. But he says this. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, though. It's just because we don't doesn't mean we shouldn't. Verse 31, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And that's what I want to do today. Let's just seek the Lord. Let's just seek the Lord. Let's just ask him. Lord, I'm, I'm a willing vessel to be used. Use me how you want. Just, let's, just, just, let's present ourselves to him. If he, wants to, if he wants to give you a gift, then let him give you a gift. If he wants you to operate in something, operate in it. But let's be willing. The church is the hope of the world. We're the, we are the organization that God established to deliver the gospel. He has legions of angel armies that he could have said, go, go preach the gospel. No, but he chose 
to establish the church on earth. And he chose to give us the spirit of the living God, the same spirit that Jesus did his whole ministry through. He gives to us to do ministry through. And then the spirit on top of that, he gives us gifts. And they are gifts to encourage one another. Maybe as we're praying, the Lord might give you a word of encouragement to someone that you need to go share it to. It takes faith. Step. Maybe as, maybe as you're praying, there's some decisions that you need to make and you're trying to discern and walk in wisdom. Man, ask the Lord for wisdom. Lord, give me discernment in this situation. Seek the most, he says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. We need, we need these at, at work in the church to encourage each other. So as, as this team leads us in this song, let's seek. Let's make ourselves available. Say, God, use me how you want. I'm not about the gifts. I'm about you. And Lord, I just want to be cash in your hands. Spend me where you want me to be spent. Use me how you want to use me. And who knows? He might, he might, he might give you a gift. He might say, hey, I want you to pray for that person's healing. Like, what? That, that's honestly what it sounds like. Like, I can't do that. Well, you'll never know till you try. A guy once asked Smith Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth was a faith healer in the early 1900s. He died in 1946. This guy, he, I mean, I've, I've shared about him before, but man, he would punch babies and they would heal. He would kick grandmas. I mean, like, this guy was crazy. But, but he listened to the spirit at revivals. They would just line up. And, and like, there was a guy that came up in, in, in San Francisco, and he had a, a visible tumor. And, the, and as he's praying for him, he took a punch the guy in the tumor. And the guy's care worker was with him, and he saw it. And he said, you're going to hear from our attorney. This is in the early 1900s. And Smith Wilkins just kept praying. He's like, okay, I don't care. And um, he kept praying, kept doing it. And like, like three weeks later, he gets a call and says, praise God, the tumor is gone. <laughs> like... But he listened to God in the moment, and, and he, he was gifted. But this, this dude walks up to Smith Wigglesworth, and he says, How come you see hundreds and thousands of people get healed, and I've never seen anyone get healed? And Smith Wigglesworth asked him this one question. And Smith Wigglesworth, he was a plumber. He was a, he was a British plumber, very straightforward, just... Like, if you ever listened to, like, recordings of him, he was just like, like, he was very to the point. He's like, well, young man, in his British, Northern English accent, how many people have you prayed for to be healed? The guy was like, six. And he goes, well, that's your problem. Go pray for 600 and then come talk to me. we wait for a perfect moment, it'll never come. We just got to step. 